Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be learning some more about schematics. So some tooling should be pretty exciting. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's say hi to our panelists, then we'll meet our guests, and then we'll get right into the content. Joining us today, we have Bonnie with us. Bonnie, what's going on? Hola, Nada. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? Oh, internet connection, maybe frozen. But uh, I was going to ask her about her new plan. Oh, how's your new plan? I love it. I love it. It's just a, a yeah. Nice. Does it have a name or just plant? It's a Monstera. I think I'll call it Mike Rocky. All right. All right. Mike's with us. Mike, what's going on? I, uh, uh, hi. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about being called a plant or having one named after me. I should feel honored. I mean, it's not like a key to the city or anything like that or key to like anything like that, but I'll take it. I'll it's take it. All right. Alyssa's with us today. Because it's Ask. a monster and you played a cookie monster in uh, Shy Resnick's play. So it's all connected. I see. Not really, but I'll say, I see. I see. There you go. Just accept and continue, right? Uh, Alyssa's joining us today here to help us answer the questions that everybody wants to know the answers to, like the name of the plant. How's it going, Alyssa? Oh, it's so good to be here. Happy Turkey Day for the state's folks and uh, happy day before Thursday for everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and our guest today, Kevin's joining us. Kevin, how's it going? It's going great. Glad to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking about schematics a little more. Can now, as we were talking about earlier, can never know enough about schematics. For sure, for sure. We're excited to have you here. Uh, do you want to tell our get our our viewers a little bit about yourself so they can get kind of caught up, know who you are? Sure. Yeah. My name is Kevin Schuhard. I live in Broomfield, which is just north of Denver, Colorado, and I work at Brebug. So I'm a developer there, and I get to work with some really cool clients. Um, while at Brebug, and I've spoken a couple times on schematics, uh, mostly with Mr. Brian Love, which I think we all know here. So, uh, yeah, we've... Uh, we love be love. Yes, who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? So, um, I, I don't yeah. want that to take away. We love you too, Kevin. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've uh, written a few schematics. I've uh, got a chance to really try a couple different things out with them, and uh, hopefully, I can share some of that knowledge today and uh, get some people excited about writing schematics. You sound so cool when you say that. I've written a few schematics in my time. Like, oh, really? Really? Okay. And you're going to show us? I didn't say I've written a good schematics. I've just written some. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we can we can maybe uh, take a look at uh, some of a few that I've written, but uh, yeah, there's lots there's lots of great ones out there though right now. So it's exciting to see. So it's been exciting to see them uh, kind of really come alive because it's still somewhat of a new thing, and I think uh, there's still lots of opportunities for people to write schematics uh, for a variety of things, which we'll hopefully talk about today. We were seeing that uh, Anthony Cyber schematic all over Twitter. Was that yesterday? Today? Yesterday? Yeah, so I think we right just. Now. It is, it is hot topic. Uh, yeah, he just, Anthony Jones, who uh, works with me at Brebug, uh, he just uh, released a new update for his Cypress schematic. Uh, so previously the uh, schematic would uh, kind of set everything up 
to run your end-to-end -end tests with Cypress versus Protractor. It would kind of swap everything out. Uh, but it was relying on the package JSON scripts once you got that thing set up to run. Uh, so you recently added the addition of a Angular builder. Uh, so it still sets everything up for you with the schematic, but it also provides the builder uh, so that you get to use uh, the CLI to execute the Cypress tests. Uh, so that that's is, cool. yeah, that's uh, live and out there today. And Anthony's, have, I think. Uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, his Twitter is Anthony Jones 519. And then uh, right. for the schematic itself, if you just go to the uh, Breba GitHub, you should be able to find the schematic. So that's B R I E B U G. Can I can I do lazy web question? Yes. Does it like rip out the existing protractor stuff as it puts the new stuff in? Does it or does it that just leave so it there? Violent. Just does it gently? Uh, I believe it does. And, you know, Anthony's done a, pretty much all the work on that. So I haven't uh, dove into the guts of what it does. But if I remember correctly, I think it does remove because uh, I think he prompts for it with the CLI prompts. Okay. If you want if you want to remove it. That makes sense. Very cool. So um, I know you're going to be sharing some stuff about schematics. Uh, do you have plans when you're sharing your stuff that uh, to cover like the basis of what schematics are, or should we talk about that right now before we get into any type of presentation? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I have a slide on kind of what it is, like a definition that we can walk through and hopefully get a good baseline of what schematics are. Cool, then I won't ask about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, do you wanna get into that? Yeah, so I can share my screen. I've got a, a slide deck ready. This thing load up. All right, we're set. All right. Let's finish loading. We'll just get into it here. So like I said, my name is Kevin Shuhart. Uh, I work at Brebug. Uh, my Twitter handle is my full name, which is uh, kind of hard to remember. But there it is, Kevin Shuhart. And I also have a, uh, write some blogs at kevinshuhart.com. So you can find uh, some of my ongoing projects there as well. Um, so quick little like history of how I got started with schematics. I knew absolutely nothing about schematics, like I'm sure a lot of people either did or still do. Um, but uh, Jesse Sanders uh, came to me one day and was like, hey, I've got this idea. Uh, I want you to write a schematic that will set up Jest to work with Angular uh, with a, you know, a single command. I'm like, well, that sounds great. Uh, I guess I'll let me learn about schematics. What is a schematic first? Um, so. Uh, you know, I'm sure everyone knows that Angular comes with uh, Karma and Jasmine to run unit tests, right? And Jest is kind of an alternative that packages that up, packages that up, and then lets you kind of do a couple things that uh, Jasmine doesn't really do. So uh, I took a couple days and just kind of dove in. There was a really great article, fortunately, uh, that Hans from the CLI team wrote that kind of laid out uh, getting started with schematics. So I read that probably 50 times and just started plugging away and eventually got something that kind of worked <laughs> and then kept uh, kept hacking away at it and, and got a, my first working schematic. So that was kind of my first deep dive into uh, what schematics are and what they can do. Uh, and it was really inspiring because I was able to take like an idea or a process or a pattern, something that someone wanted to do that was uh, somewhat deterministic, right? There's not a whole lot of room for 
uh, how you go about setting up Jest. But at the same time, it's also not just a single command, which I think we often uh, all, all kind of hope we could uh, have depending on what we want to do. Um, so that was a real exciting uh, first project to take on. Um, and then I started thinking shortly after about that, like, and there's a lot of things that I do on a daily basis that are repetitive. They're not necessarily difficult, but I certainly don't hold that in my, you know, short-term memory about how to do or how to set up. And Prettier was one of those things. So Prettier is like a, an opinionated code formatter, which you may or may not like, but uh, I'm a big fan of it. And I kept finding myself setting that up over and over again uh, with all my projects. And I would go find the same article written by Aaron Frost. Fortunately, he kind of sat down and at least put that all out into print form about here are like the 10 steps you need to do. And at the time, you know, and, and still is, you can't just say NPM install prettier and it works with uh, with Angular projects. You need to do some setup. So I, again, uh, took some time and said, okay, what are all these steps? I kind of just took Aaron's article and basically translated his blog post into schematic instructions, if you will. Uh, and created uh, probably one of my favorite schematics that I use on almost every project. And now it's just as simple as ng add and then my schematic name. And uh, I now have prettier set up and up and running uh, just within a few seconds. Um, so That's that was it. Awesome. Is that available anywhere for people to use? Do you have it up, up online? Yeah, definitely. It's on it's on my GitHub and NPM. Um, and I, I have a, a, a link uh, at the end that we can kind of look at where I've kind of packaged up a lot of the schematic things I've learned and resources and that's that's on there. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, ng add and then at shoehard slash prettier schematic, I think, or prettier. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's publicly available and um, I use it. I just used it uh, yesterday. I, I want to take a moment and pause and first of all, say thank you for that. And also, I think it's awesome that you have your own NPM scope for yourself. That's all. <laughs> and I want to say your last name is actually much easier to remember if you just remember the CH and the CH each time. There's a CH each time. So S-C-H-U-S-C-H. Yeah, my my last name uh, is, I've gotten that my whole life. I usually just let it go when it gets butchered. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that second Well, you C have to know how to spell it to find that awesome GitHub repo. So you see. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of forced to learn it, I guess. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, that that package is available and is out there and uh, still works as of yesterday when I tested it out. Um, but that one really drove schematics home for me of like, okay, this is this is something I'm tired of doing, tired of repeating myself over and over. And I'm sure other people are setting this up. So like this this was a way I could uh, help myself and help the community and kind of save us all, you know, an extra fifteen minutes to an hour <laughs> setting this up. On projects over and over uh, and then very fortunately uh, Brian I, Brian Love and I uh, gave a talk at ng-comp and a workshop on schematics and I uh, was very fortunate to go there with Brian and do that and that was a really exciting um, opportunity to talk about schematics uh, at the ng-comp conference and are those is that a video that's online available that people will be able to check out yeah, yeah, just like with all the other uh, presentations and workshops, uh, uh, ng-conf has graciously put those up on YouTube. Uh, so if you go to the ng-conf YouTube, uh, I think I need, I think I have a link somewhere to that, but um, I can get that uh, for everyone. Uh, but yeah, those are on YouTube and free to watch.
So um, Justin, you talked about a definition, right? Uh, so I think this it's always a good uh, starting point to make sure we kind of all understand what schematics are and what they do. And this is a uh, kind of a definition that Brian Love and I came up with, and I think it really uh, nails schematics um, pretty well. So I like to think of schematics as a collection of executable tasks that can generate and or modify code deterministically. Right. There's a couple things in there that are important, right? They're a collection because you can have uh, more than one schematic or executable, right, within your overall schematic. So within like, for example, my prettier or the Jest schematic, uh, we can have individual schematics that run. So typically there's usually like one or two, right? There's like an, one that supports ng-add uh, or maybe another specific command, but you can have a schematic that has... Uh, multi, you know, basically a collection of executable tasks within inside of it. And we say that they're uh, executable because uh, obviously the Angular CLI engine or the schematic engine is what is going to be executing or running these. So these are not going to be uh, like a script per se that you're going to run directly from the, you know, like the package JSON scripts, although you could, I guess, shorthand uh, that into a script, but ultimately you're going to have to run the ng command and have the Angular CLI executable run this for you. And then so this, is, this is something that's like we need the Angular CLI to be doing the schematics thing, right? Yes, technically you can. There is a schematic CLI, uh, so you could, I guess, uh, technically execute it in that context. Uh, but for 99% of the time and people, I think everyone's going to be using the Angular CLI. So you're going to need uh, that to run your schematic. You're not just going to like SH it or run it directly. Yeah. And, and that's that's a very good point about there being a separate CLI. And typically being that schematics comes from the Angular team, that it's going to be used in an Angular context. But there's nothing to preclude anyone who may be doing uh, development in a different language to write schematics. So if you're doing C-sharp development or Java or anything else, you can still write schematics to be able to generate your code for uh, those uh, environments as well. There's nothing tying it directly to Angular. Yeah, great point. And then kind of the examples that you showed in the beginning were things that we're adding to a new project, right? Or an existing project, right? But so it's, it encapsulates being able to do that, but also if I have an existing project that I want to modify code or do things like that, it, that as well, right? Yes, absolutely. And so there's, it's a really broad scope of what you can do with schematics, because as we'll talk about later, you get access to the abstract syntax tree or the AST uh, of the repository or the, or the basically the folder you're executing this within. And then it's really up to you how you want to either read or modify or update or delete or add. I mean, you can do pretty much anything within that code as long as you can programmatically lay the schematic code out. Um, and really the sky's the limit uh, as, as to what you want to do. So the, the things, uh, the additive features are actually uh, quite a bit easier to do. And oftentimes, I think that's why there's more of them out there because it's a little less code and and you know uh, side cases that you have to account for. Uh, but you can definitely generate and or modify code. So we'll we'll see in a little bit generating code is actually pretty easy once you get everything set up in the schematic. You can kind of stamp out a lot of files pretty quickly. Uh, but we can also modify that. So we'll have access to the AST. We can read the file system, 
And then we can make whatever decision our schematic needs to make, whether if we're checking for the presence of something or we're rewriting something or moving something, uh, we can have complete access to that and make those changes to our to the file system that the schematic's running against. And I think one of the most important things, uh, schematics are deterministic, right? So they're not, this is not like a string matching uh, library or function that we're writing. We're not saying, you know, find this exact pattern or string. We're not writing a regular express, uh, expression. Uh, we're using the AST to get very precise information about the code that we're looking for so that we can make updates that are very exact and very precise. So we're, we don't have to say like, you know, find this specific opening brace and is it at the right level? Am I looking at an import statement versus a constructor, right? We can loop through the nodes of our AST and find things not only by their name, but also by their type, which I think is very powerful. So definition, pretty good, hopefully, uh, I think. Um, but I think a lot of people may aren't always aware that they're kind of already using schematics, most likely, if they're using the Angular CLI uh, kind of in a day-to-day -day manner. And so if you've ran the ng generate or ngg command within the Angular CLI, that is using schematics. And so there's a, there's a ton of really great schematics uh, that the Angular team has put out, right, for things like generating a component or service or pipe directive. Right. These are things if you're not using them, I highly recommend you go and look at them and start using them because it makes uh, generating this code very easy. Uh, but the Angular CLIs is um, provided these for quite a while now, and it's actually been a great resource for me learning schematics. That was probably where I spent most of my time learning, like what are what are kind of the best practices, if you will, or how, how is the Angular team doing this sort of thing? Because uh, once you start writing them, you'll see that there's kind of a some repetitive uh, functionality that you kind of need to do, like, you know, finding modules or inserting code and so on and so forth. All right, so uh, let's talk about what could we do? How can we write schematics? What can we write them for, right? Um, <clears throat> so we talked about adding files. And I think this is like the, the first real win you'll experience when you start writing a schematic, right? When you can uh, quickly kind of stamp out a bunch of files uh, very quickly. And so uh, one of the methods that they provide is to, in a schematic, you can pass it a directory in your schematic source code and kind of predetermine the structure or the files or the file names that you want to add to a um, application when you're running the schematic. And so if you've run ng-new, right, and give it a, a project name, you'll see like the create, word followed by all these files. And so this is where the schematics adding all these files for you. And then once we have those files, uh, most of the time, right, we're going to need those files to be dynamic in some way. Uh, sometimes we can, those can just be static and we can uh, add them as they are. But uh, most of the time, we'll probably want to put some sort of dynamic, either functionality or name or so on and so forth. And so this is a very slimmed down snippet of the uh, ng generate component source code in the schematic file. And so I've taken a few things out. So if you're comparing this one-to-one, -one, it's gonna be a little different, but this, these are kind of the main parts here. Uh, but we can see similar to Angular, where we have the double curly brackets, uh, we can interpolate files within our schematic with this kind of less than percent equals and then percent greater than. 
syntax as well. So we're kind of wrapping the uh, interpolated value uh, in that syntax. And so here, whatever we pass in for that selector value to our template, right, it'll be in dynamically interpolated uh, in that place with the single quotes around it. And then within that, we can also put some more logic in there. So here we have those same wrapping uh, keywords there or syntax, and we can put logical statements in there. So the Angular component uh, schematic does some kind of smart things where it says, well, if you uh, want inline templates, right, then we'll uh, add the, the following code, right, the template colon and then that string there. Otherwise, right, we'll you know, add it a different way. All right, a template URL, if you will, which I've taken out here, but we can add conditional logic within our templates. It looks like PHP. I was thinking <laughs> that, and then right. somebody in the chat said it too. It was like, it reminds me so much close. of PHP. I think it needs a question mark, right? Instead of the, <laughs> but really close. Yeah, yeah, very close. And just like Angular, right? We don't have to put all of this logic uh, in our template, if you will, our file template, as we're looking at it here in the context of a schematic. And so we can also pass methods uh, into that template context so that we can pull some of this logic out of the template file and put it back kind of oh, back in TypeScript land uh, and either share it or you know unit test it that way or however you want to do it. So we can pass dynamic properties into the, the helper templates or helper methods methods. Uh, and pull that logic back out and still get that dynamic nature in our template files. And as you'll see, we have things like dash rise and classify. Uh, these are good examples of kind of common um, features, I don't wanna say problems, but uh, things that you'll come across uh, that it's, it's again, good to go look at other schematics like the Angular CLI schematics and kind of see how they're doing those things because you know the, the dash rise and the classify string method like that's not something you want to write yourself right or rewrite or maybe get it right or wrong right there's lots of uh that's kind of been solved if you will so i highly recommend looking at uh, some of the other schematic libraries out there and see how they're doing it or what they're using the uh those helper methods always make me giggle every time i use them because I, I think they have the best names <laughs> dasherize and classify yeah there's no doubt what they're doing right they sound like reindeer <laughs> that they do. And uh, lastly, just like we can interpolate the contents of those files dynamically, we can also do that with the file names. And so this one's this method or this pattern looks a little bit different, uh, but you can see we can use this double underscore, uh, provide a variable, in this case name, and then apply those methods uh, to that string name uh, in the file name. And so here, um, if we go back a few slides, uh, you know, when you run ng-new, right, everything kind of gets uh, generated for you dynamically within the file name itself or the folder. And so that's kind of what's going on here where we can dynamically uh, generate these file names based on either what the user's passed in or however we want to modify it. That's a really good point um, that it's not just the file name, but you can also alter the path of where those files are going to be generated. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. I mean, we, we have kind of TypeScript control all the way down up until this point. So we can uh, either look at, you know, where it's being executed or 
some uh, any other options that we want to tag on to that name variable. Uh, so another great uh, tip I found is that you can extend schematics or execute other schematics within your schematic. So a schematic that runs a schematic, if you will. Um, and so there's a method called external schematic, right? And it takes uh, the name of a schematic collection, right? Then the specific schematic and then any options that you have. And so I think this is really powerful. If you have a schematic in mind that kind of does maybe most of what you're envisioning uh, for your kind of potential new schematic, but not quite everything, right? Like, let's say we want to, you know, make a new component, uh, like similar to the ng generate component, but we want to maybe add a few things that maybe our company kind of always has, or maybe we're trying to do some sort of uh, pattern like the um, ng on destroy, you know, RxJS subject cleanup pattern. Right. So instead of writing all that code to generate a schematic, right, you can execute an external schematic, for example, the component schematic that Angular provides, right, and then just kind of tack on your changes on top of that. And so you can kind of do that approach, or maybe you've got like a, a new project approach, right, and you kind of keep executing the same three or four schematics, you could kind of bundle that up with the external schematic command. For examples like that, do you override the like old like schematic call out or do you like make your own name for it like whenever you're tacking on things i'm not sure if, i'm not sure i follow the so, question like you were saying if you want to create a component but then you want to add another schematic on top of that do you override basically like the like ng new component like terminal command or are you creating your own command like name i guess is what i'm saying Gotcha. Uh, I think in this scenario, you would be, this would be like creating your own schematic. So it'd be like, you know, whether you namespace it or not, but like your, you know, component on destroy schematic or something, right? So you'd be creating your own. And under the hood, it's just using the Angular CLI schematic. All right. Updating files. This is where, uh, things start to get a little fun, if you will. But once you get into schematics, right, you're only gonna get so far probably adding files and at some point you're gonna wanna update one. Can I add something in real quick before you yes. get into that? Is Please. that what you're gonna, what you're getting into here uh, with the AST and taking a look at that, it's a smarter way of doing this, but you are not necessarily tied to doing this um directly you don't as you're writing your schematic and you want to modify a file if you are for your use case if you just want to do a regex replace or if you want to do a search and find of text you can do that as well with schematics this is just taking those types of concepts and raising them to the next level to give you that extra level of assurance when you're modifying code yeah that's a great point and i'm yeah thank you for bringing that up so this is not the only way to update in a file. Uh, it may be a more, uh, maybe in a more exact way if you're a little more unknown about uh, who's gonna be executing your schematic or what you're trying to update. But you certainly can, uh, you know, I think a, a common pattern can often be if you're dealing with uh, JSON, for example, the package JSON, if you wanted to modify that, sometimes it's easier just to like get that in a string format and parse it with json.parse and then you can deal with an object 
just dotting into properties or overriding things. And then you can stringify it back out and, you know, run a, run a TSLint uh, formatter to get it back and formatted. So it's not, not required for all updates. And that's a, a very good point to bring up. Uh, but once you realize that, I, hey, I need to use the AST to get this done. I think that's the best way, right? You're going to start dealing with your code kind of in this format. So here's kind of an, a simplified example, right? But we're uh, typically dealing with nodes, nodes of the AST. And uh, we'll look here in just a second at what that kind of looks like. Uh, but the AST, right, will give us uh, this representation of our code. So code that describes our code. And we'll be able to go through that and find certain things, for example, such as uh, the opening brace token or the closing brace token. So in this example, we probably would have found this node based on some other identifier, right? Like the constructor identifier, right? And then find the opening and closing braces within that. Uh, but we can, as you can see, very precisely find uh, exactly what we're looking for. So we're not just saying like, well, I think this is going to be the opening brace of what I'm looking for, but there's also like, I don't know, 50 other opening braces, right? And so this just helps us be uh, a lot more precise in what we're looking for. <clears throat> and then once we have those things, uh, typically within a schematic, the code that your work, your schematic is working against is kind of referred to as the tree, right? And so uh, you'll kind of begin an update, you'll make your insertions in this example, right, based on uh, the position, right? So the AST is going to give us positioning info. And then we can make our assertion, commit it, uh, and then our schematic can carry on. And the committing part is interesting because schematics, they are kind of building these changes that your schematic code is making, such as like adding, updating, deleting, right? They're building these up kind of almost like in memory. And so that, uh, let's say your schematic code got like 10 steps in, right? And it didn't account for something and just blow, you know, blew up. Uh, you wouldn't leave the user kind of in this broken state where it's like touched a bunch of files and deleted some, and then it's like, well, I uh, the thing the thing exploded and you're just you can clean it up, right? So we're kind of beginning and committing these updates, and it it does it in memory, which is really nice because we don't have to have any unwinding logic within our schematic to kind of backtrack. So if it if it stops halfway through, right, it's not going to apply those. It's not going to apply those changes until it gets to the very end. Uh, just to close that loop, and I've, I've used this example a lot of times, and I've said this quite a few times, is that idea of doing it in memory um, is kind of like, wait, wait, what? And some people have trouble wrapping their head around that concept. So I, it's very, very similar for those of you who have done uh, traditional database development to a database transaction where if you do any updates, uh, deletes or whatever, or inserts inside of a transaction, it's the idea of like rolling back a transaction or committing exactly. a transaction. Yeah, that's a great example. Great example. I'm glad you're here, Mike. <laughs> uh, all right, so AST. Uh, we've talked yeah, a little bit about this, right? Um, and it, I think it's important to understand, right? You don't necessarily have to be an AST expert, uh, but it is important, I think, to know it's there and kind of know uh, at least how to start going down the path of using it if you need it, right? And so, you know, an AST is essentially a representation 
of the structure of your code, right? Written in another programming language. So the code that represents your code, if you will. And so let's take a look at kind of what that gives you and in, in the data that's there, right? And so on the left, right, we have a kind of a simple component, right? And it has a method called login and it takes a single argument card called password and we've specified that its type should be a string. So if we were to, to traverse the tree, right, and go down through the nodes and find the login method and find its constructor, right, this, the data on the right is what we would have available to us. So this is the arguments of the login method, right? And so there's, uh, we've got a, uh, two of them in there, so it's an array. And so you can see the first one, if we look at the bottom of the first object, we have that escape text called password. So it's kind of giving us the raw data. And the same thing for the next one, the escape text is string. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's some other information here. We saw the, the position, right, the end. Uh, we were using that in the update recorder. Uh, but what's interesting is that we have uh, the kind and the original keyword kind. And this is what lets us match very precisely to uh, the type that it is. So if we were in our editor, uh, we would have access to the AST through TypeScript. So TypeScript provides us its AST. So uh, other languages have their own AST. But we can see here, I'll blow this up. This is a big file, so it's kind of slow. Come on. Uh, but if we if we equate that number 142, the syntax kind, we can see that it's a string keyword. And you can see there's lots of other lots of other keywords in here as well. So again, we're not matching like is it string with an uppercase S or lowercase S? Is that the right one? Right? Uh, TypeScript is telling us exactly uh, what that kind is, right? Sting. And we've got object number. Uh, read only, we've got all this metadata uh, in here. And so we would use this by importing this. This is a giant uh, enum here, uh, but we would import the syntax kind and then be able to key off that and do a very precise match uh, in our schematic and know that we're getting exactly what we want or, or checking for the existence of it or however your schematic needs to use it. And so uh, if you haven't seen this before, uh, there's a couple couple viewers out there. There is, uh, let's pull up uh, astexplorer.net, right? So you can pass in uh, any code uh, that you want here. You can also pick uh, from a variety of AST parsers, right? So we're using the TypeScript one. And then what's kind of cool is like you can click on any of these parts and on the right side, it will update uh, with the node that you're selected. Right, so I'm clicking the string type from password and we can see all that metadata right here, right? The text is string, the original keyword kind is 142. We can come over to login, right? Here's the login text, all the kind information. Uh, so there's some really cool uh, AST viewers, astexplorer.net is one. Uh, and another one is ts-ast-viewer.com. Uh, Obviously this one works just with TypeScript, but what's interesting is that uh, let's see. It will also, this is going to scale well. There we go. Uh, but it'll give you some information as to like kind of how to create an identifier or a lookup function using the TypeScript parser over here on the right. Obviously, this is 
kind of a bad example, but you'll get you'll get kind of the method of what you would need to call to get it while still having all the information over here on the right. And then I lost my place. There we go. And then this is just a link to that uh, enum file that we were looking at over here on the right. So I'll share these uh, slides out so everyone has access to these links. So once I uh, started writing that Jest schematic that I talked about earlier, which is kind of the first one I got into, I quickly ran into the issue of like, okay, how do I test this thing? Because like, I knew nothing about schematics and I'm like, is this thing even working? Um, I, I, what I was really wanting was that ng serve experience. I wanted to make a change, save it, and then kind of see it in action uh, kind of on the other side after it ran. And so uh, again, there was uh, that great article from Hans who kind of set uh, a lot of the, a lot of this stuff up and kind of laid a lot out. And I took kind of those ideas and put some uh, additional scripts together uh, to come up with this kind of idea of a sandbox or a testing sandbox. And uh, this is the way that uh, all of the schematics I've written uh, have been written with, uh, but essentially you'll have your source directory and that'll contain all of your schematic uh, code, if you will, that gets executed. And alongside that, uh, I check in a uh, generally a sandbox folder. And inside of that, uh, I basically run ng-new. So I just have a full-fledged application that's checked into source control. And then through yarn or npm linking, which I know uh, is not everyone's favorite thing, uh, but it's it's been uh, pretty stable uh, with this pattern here. Uh, but through yarn and npm linking, we can link our local schematic in the source directory over to the sandbox application so that I can go into the sandbox and basically run my schematic that's written locally in that source directory and I can kind of test it out in real time. And then the scripts that I put together, they just kind of expedite that process. So you can just kind of run one command and it um, builds it, executes it. You can run tests, which are really nice once you get this into like a CI CD uh, environment. So I have Generally, we'll just run like a production build or the sandbox unit and end-to-end tests to make sure my schematic hasn't totally broken everything. Uh, but then you can kind of get into this really easy, you know, pass-fail scenario within CI/CD. And uh, the nice thing is that since we are checking the sandbox into version control, when we execute our schematic, we can use our Git diffing tools depending on what uh, editor you're using and quickly see like, okay, what changes did my schematic make from the sandbox's original state? So if I'm adding a bunch of files, I can just look in the git dip tool and say, oh, it added these four files and they're named this way. Or if it modified it a file, I can go and say, oh, it changed, you know, it added this method or rename this, uh, this string name, right? So it makes it very easy to kind of get this kind of fast iteration approach to uh, writing your schematic uh, either running a, a script or, you know, you can use watch mode, if you will. And then, you know, wait in a few seconds for everything to compile, just like the Angular CLI. And then you will see what changes that it made to the sandbox. And so I, I found that to be very helpful and um, very easy to um, learn schematics because I can quickly see, like, is my schematic doing what it's supposed to do? Uh, and I found that uh, quite helpful.
though it is not the only way to uh, develop a schematic, you can obviously uh, take the unit test approach uh, as well. Kevin, I know you can't see the chat in YouTube because you're busy, but Fergus said he browses AST like it's a normal human ability. <laughs> uh, that I do not. I do, <laughs> I do not do that. Uh, I spend uh, uh, plenty of time not, uh, or I guess, Googling things, looking things up, trying, uh, looking for all the, the syntax kind uh, methods, but I would not call myself an AST expert. Um, I'm working on a, it an, easy. <laughs> well, between you and Mike, at least you guys are at least one, maybe two. AST yeah. <laughs> well, it's just the slides. It looks easy on the slides, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I spend plenty of time uh, trial and erroring with the AST as well. So he's so modest. Just say, I woke up like this, Kevin. <laughs> I wish, trust me, I wish. Um, so yeah, I have uh, this this kind of sandbox idea, right? If that's something you wanna do, it's again, not the only way to uh, develop a sandbox. There's other other approaches that check in a, an application in the source control and do it different ways. But this way, is, uh, I, I found it to be pretty nice. The scripts are kind of all there. You can basically just run you know, yarn test or NPM test, uh, and it just builds, runs, tests all in one one script, and you get that visual feedback kind of instantly. And so, uh, at my GitHub, uh, there's a schematic starter uh, repo, and you can uh, clone that down or fork it, however you want to do, and and change a couple things, like uh, just basically the package names. I've kind of got that all listed out in the readme, uh, but you can kind of get up and running instantly with this sandbox and start writing code and have all the scripts set up and the linking and whatnot. So if that's something you're interested, I put that out there as well. So uh, that's kind of concludes the slides I have. I put together, I started thinking about all, this, all these things we were talking about and I put together a blog post, uh, which we can share out uh, but it just kind of outlines some of the things that I use on a daily basis or have found really helpful in learning schematics. Uh, so I've got those AST explorers uh, linked to the syntax kind codes. So if you're not in your editor, uh, you can go and look that up. Uh, there's some really nice manipulation and navigation libraries like uh, TS Query and TS Morph. Right? And some of those are, are ports of other AST libraries, but they can make working with the AST a lot easier. So for example, TS Query kind of lets you use a CSS style selector pattern, if you will, to kind of access things or search for things, uh, which is really nice. And a couple other resources, um, for example, like the uh, Babel Handbook, right? And uh, Unified JS, uh, as well as uh, links to some of the schematics I've uh, built and worked on, uh, plus that sandbox approach. Have you done anything, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, like say making a change, you know, with, with uh, JSON to a file and then possibly running linting on it or something. Have you done anything with that in schematics where you run some other existing function or command that's not part of the code base, but, but an external tool? Well, the, the I think the example I referenced uh, was if you, when we're parsing and stringifying the JSON, right, it may not go back, for example, with the same indentation level that their code usually have, like let's say two spaces versus four spaces. 
Um, and so in that example, I was kind of referencing, uh, there's a method to execute the TSLint rules for that specific project so that however the project is set up, it'll just kind of reformat the code based on the, each individual project's settings. Uh, so that's that's the example I was talking about, but you're talking about uh, an external script, is that right? Yeah, or even like in that scenario, like if I'm writing, if you're creating that schematic to do that change to that file, and you want to, in your schematic, say, I want to make TSLint run or, or the linting rule run, like how would you program that in the schematic that you're creating to run that? Is there a helper function to do that? Is there that schematic provides? Is that, you know, that's really... Yeah, there, there is a helper method, and Mike, you might know it because I, I don't remember offhand what it's called, uh, but I believe there is one. Yeah, I, there are some tests that you can do, but uh, to be clear, so as Kevin mentioned, these things run in memory, and a lot of the tooling that you're going to find surrounding JavaScript in general is going to be file-based, which if you call a tool... Um, I don't know, say, I don't know, Webpack, for example, whatever it is, some sort of build tool. What it's going to do is it's going to start looking on disk for files or whatever whatever tooling is. A lot of them look based off of the file system. And being that it's working off of an in-memory virtual file system, those tools aren't going to work as they typically would. So either those tools need to expose ways of working with um, text-based or string-based representations of those files or you're not going to be able to run those within the concept of schematics uh, just because of the nature of the execution context of how your code is running and what it's running against. Um, yeah, good point. So the idea of like TSLint and things like initializing a Git repo and doing an NPM install, those types of things. Schematics provides the ability to say, hey, I'm going to let you schedule some tasks to be done when the schematic is done running. So if you go ahead and are saving your TS, uh, the package JSON, so you add a dependency, you add an NPM script and you want to reformat that and you want to run TSLint, you can basically have your schematic set up that task to run at the end to run TSLint with the appropriate rules to essentially restyle that when you're done. Yeah, that's a good point. Because like when you add let's say dependencies to the package JSON, there's a script that's kind of like you said, Mike, schedule, you know, an NPM install uh, at the end, right? Correct, yeah, because you want those things to happen after you've synchronized your changes to back to the uh, actual physical disk. Mm -hmm. Now, what about tying in like a maybe external calls or asynchronous calls. I know there's been talk before about thinking of the concept of maybe my templates or some um, decision-making lives on a server somewhere and my schematic in the time that it's setting up the files would make this external HTTP call to get some additional data to then do its work, right? Yeah. How does that play out? Is that something that's possible? Yeah, definitely. Uh, fortunately, the the rules that are returned uh, in a schematic, right? They accept a couple different types. And one of those being, uh, well, let's say a tree would be kind of the, the synchronous version of that, right? You make the changes to the tree, then you return it. But you can also return an observable of that tree. And so you can pull in any of the RxJS, you know, magic or operators that you want. 
and essentially, you know, hold up the schematic, if you will, uh, and run any sort of asynchronous logic that you want to need. So if you need to call out to a server or a database or uh, check NPM, I actually have, I think I have an example of that right here, actually. So if I can find, this one's in progress. Yeah, I definitely have an example here of um, but yeah, in a couple of mine, I, I actually ran across this because I wanted my I wanted my schematic to go and get the latest version of a package from NPM. And so I wrote a rule that returns an observable of a tree. And it basically uh, takes the string package name, calls out to NPM. Uh, gets the latest version and then inserts that in the package JSON uh, for that version. So it kind of calls out to NPM, gets the version for a couple packages, uh, brings in, and now I have the latest version of that package uh, for my schematic, and I don't have to essentially pin a version at my schematic and keep, you know, making releases to update that version. I just say, well, just go out to NPM and get whatever the latest version is and then add that in the package JSON. And then the npm install command will uh, just run its normal install for whatever the latest version is. Now that, that might not be the right exam or the right use case for every schematic, but if your schematic doesn't depend on exact versions or you don't wanna necessarily support exact versions, you know, take that risk of just <laughs> running latest, right? You can have your rule uh, return an observable and then that observable can uh, do whatever it needs to do asynchronously. Nice, nice. All right, anyone have any last schematics, questions, points, or are we ready to wrap up? Say now, forever hold your peace. <laughs> I like your uh, schematic starter repo, Kevin. Thank you, cool. thanks. All right, all right, well, let's, uh, let's do some picks and then we'll call it a, an episode. Uh, a panelist. Does anybody have any picks today? Bonnie does. First hands up. You go. Uh, I have to have three if I go really, really fast. Okay. Okay. Uh, NG Houston. Today we had Isaac Mann with N NX Workspace, a brand new course from Narwhal. That was pretty cool. Check it out. Uh, shout out to the Belgium uh, Angular crew at uh, NGBE next week, which is super exciting. And you guys, I'm really excited because um, our friend Shorty put all of the upcoming episodes on the Angular Air so that you can go. So we have Kim Maida, we have Naomi Meyer coming, we have Gilfink, we have Ilya, all of these upcoming guests on Angular Air, and he loaded them all up. So you can actually go and click on the Angular Air um, YouTube channel and see everything that's coming like for the next month. It's great. That's it. And another one of our friends, Bill Odom, he he got the follow-up episode added. He's coming. Bill's have, coming back. Yeah, that'll be next up. That's coming too. Okay, and also, did you know that you can go on the YouTube channel and you can click if there's an episode that you're really excited about, you can click and set a reminder for yourself. Yeah. Nice, nice. Thank you. <laughs> Good picks. Thank you, right. Justin. <laughs> sure, sure. All right, who else? So I'm speaking of Brian Love from earlier. I was on a show with him um, earlier today. So I'm stealing his pick because I freaking loved it. And he reminded me because I knew this, but 
I had forgotten. Do you guys know why Ivy is called Ivy? And the, yeah, you do? You guys? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's because I guess it's the fourth rendering engine, which in Roman numerals is IV. So I freaking love that, um, that it actually, you know, because you see like the IV vines everywhere all over like blog posts and things and it has nothing to do with the plant, which I love. Um, but I'm really excited about um, where I guess we're on R RC3 now with nine and we're getting close. So, um, I, you know, I work for um, Kendo UI at Progress and I actually got to like talk with the team on some issues that uh, we were having with an early RC and it's been fixed. And I'm just so excited about this because they were working so hard to make sure that it's flawless and that it comes out smoothly. So I'm really excited about nine. Look nice. at you, early adopter, Alyssa. You know, I like to. I always like to code name anything I start working on with some fun project name like that, and with the hopes that someday, like whatever I build, will be exciting enough that people want to dig in. And go, what was the code name for that? I never get. They were saying so. All my code names just die in in this little secret spot that I have, but it's always fun. I think to try and figure out a a special name for something, right? <laughs> I heard that when they first started talking about Ivy, that they were saying, because it was, the concept of it was injected view. And so the I and the V plus the fact that it was version four and it was like all of this, like they just, just I don't know. I don't remember who told me that it might be a myth. I might've just made that up. I don't know, but injected view plus the number four was all just perfect. Sounds good. Sounds legit. Mike, you have any picks today? Uh, no, uh, tomorrow's a holiday in the U.S., so enjoy time with family and or friends, uh, and just enjoy yourself. All right. Good job. Good pick. I'll take that. Uh, I saw a movie last night called Knives Out, and I'm going to pick that because that was really fun. I liked it a lot. It was a good kind of murder mystery comedy. It was fun. So that's my pick. Kevin, our guest, do you have any picks for us today? Uh, yeah. So first I want to give uh, Anthony Jones's uh, Cypress Schematic. He just got that released today, like we were talking about. Uh, so he's at Anthony Jones 519 on Twitter. So you should give him a follow and check out his schematic if you want to set up Cypress with your Angular application. You know you hit it big time when Minko is tweeting about you. Uh, he's set. He's set. Right? You're officially <laughs> famous now. <laughs> He is, yeah. Well, it'll be a difficulty to get some time with him now, I think. <laughs> uh, and then last one, I was just telling a friend about this, and actually, I have it right here, but there's a great book I wrote, read recently called uh, The Code Book, right? And it is about uh, encryption. And I don't really know a lot about encryption, but this is a great book because it starts you from, like, ancient Egypt encryption all the way up to, like, quantum computing encryption. So it made it really easy to understand and see how it's progressed and really what it really what encryption is doing under the hood um so i'd highly recommend that book it was a really fun read that sounds really cool let's check that out for sure yeah all right kevin thanks a ton for sharing your time and coming on here and, and sharing this content with us we really really appreciate it thank you yeah thank you for having me it was a lot of fun awesome all right that's a good one. Like Bonnie mentioned, check out the channel. we got a bunch of upcoming episodes that are good and lined up, so looking forward to it. Have a good one. Take it easy. See ya. See ya.